Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. The hang ups we have today. Welcome into episode 217 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say Podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. It's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson, look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Blue Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you? Hanging in there, a very the, the the crossover period is here where it's football and basketball. Thankfully, we don't have to address what happened on the football field on this show, and it's a very very good thing because uh, what's going on on the basketball court right now, Sean, is pretty pretty impressive. Uh, a seventy seven fifty two victory over Duquesne in the 
uh, second game of the season. Um, it was another performance where you saw a lot of good stuff from the offense, not, you know, not firing on all cylinders like we saw in game one against Howard, but still a lot to like about the offense. Plenty to like about the defense as well. Another day where uh, we get our two leading scorers, Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick, back at it again, back to back games for them to start the season. Savir Wheeler's back. Plenty of positive takeaway, Sean. Let's just jump right in. Uh, what, what did you think of Kentucky's win? Uh, yeah, I thought that there was still a lot of good, especially those two. And we talked about that on Tuesday night, right? You asked me what I wanted to see in game two, and it was consistency, and you got it. You had those two, Frederick and Reeves, combined to make eight threes between the two of them, both back to leading scorers. Uh, you had uh, Xavier Wheeler return to the floor. I thought that that was big to see him there, and he, he did come off the bench. And I liked the spark that he provided when he came in off the bench with his energy and stuff and, and getting downhill, making some uh, really good plays, getting two feet in the paint, uh, kicking out to those shooters. But no, I, I thought there was a lot to like. I, I definitely, I continue to be more impressed with Ugana on Yenso. Mm-hmm. I really do. Just with his feel of the game getting there, he's further along than what I thought he was going to be. I mean, you and I know this. We didn't know if we was even going to see him play. And now he's out there rim running, blocking shots, doing other things. And uh, I think Kentucky's getting some stuff figured out and answered. And I think it was two really good games to get them going into Tuesday night. Yeah. And uh, let's start with kind of the biggest news of it, Savir Wheeler, what, what you liked about Savir. Uh, my big takeaway with it is, he he did come in and he was a spark plug off the bench and we got to see him alongside Kaysen at times and we got to see you know how that worked out well. Kaysen struggled a little bit. Um, my big takeaway with it all was how incredible is it that Kentucky has both of them? There's you know this all the talk right now that uh, is it Savir or is it Kaysen? Will Savir be the team's starting point guard or is Kaysen Wallace making a push there? Uh, and, you know, is he deserving of the the, the number one spot and, and you know, back and forth with all that? You like, you know, when you're you get a new, bright, shiny object, Sean, it's always kind of the, uh, oh, we got to you know fall in love with this this kid for this reason. And he's he's special because of this. When you take a step back and you realize Savir does things that Kaysen can't do in terms of a playmaking perspective and a pace thing, uh, you know, I thought Kaysen did very solid in his debut against Howard, but he struggled a little bit against on-ball pressure, and, uh, you know, it wasn't a perfect performance by any means, and then he struggled with turnovers again uh, against Duquesne. He had four, uh, but the things that Kaysen does really well, Savir can't do very well, and just in terms of, you know, the the, the size at 6'4", the athleticism, the, you know, shooting ability, they complement each other very, very well, and I, for one, am grateful that Kentucky has both of them on the roster and we can even have these discussions rather than, you know, Savir still at Georgia and having to go up against him this season. And then Kaysen, who was supposed to be at Tennessee, you know, yep. Tennessee was the leader for a very long time before Kentucky made that late push for him. Kentucky has both of them on their side. And uh, that's a very, very, very impressive backcourt. You know, obviously, Antonio and CJ will get to those the, the next two down, but at the point guard slash off ball spot. Goodness gracious, those two are special. Yeah, and, and Tennessee probably wishes they had Kaysen, you know, today. And uh, tough loss for them. But just talking about the the, the combination of those two, and, and me and you kind of got sucked into it as well, right, Tuesday night. We're talking about this new yeah, – and it's sure. easy to do, and, and we, lo- we love what Kaysen's doing. And I'm not taking anything back from what I said Tuesday night. Like he that's could, still – he could start at the one. He could. He could. He, now, here's he's the not. difference. Here's the difference. You can slide him to the two when you cannot slide Savir to the two. So, Kaysen has the flexibility of staying on the floor without having to be at the one. 
Now, the thing with Savir, we know this, there is, there's risk, but there's reward with Savir, with some things. When he's leaving his feet is when he gets himself in trouble. And I thought he only really did that maybe one time early there in the first half on mm-hmm. Friday. Some of the other plays, I thought he was excellent. And if you have them both on the floor together, you have two elite on-ball defenders that can pick up 94 feet, can kind of turn guards and kind of create some havoc and make some plays. They need them both. I'm interested, though, Savir played a ton of minutes last year, and it was required, right? Like that backcourt had to just run itself into the ground. I'm interested to see how much better Savir is if it's in spurts as the season goes along. Like it's not averaging 32 minutes. What if that number is more around 26 to 27? So then you have a healthier, fresher Savir Wheeler on the floor. How much better is he suited to be in that role? If it's just four or five minutes less a game, I think maybe you keep him healthy because you're already seeing you had some injury issues already. You had it last year. I think that's the insurance that you have in having both of those guys is that you don't have to run them into the ground. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think Savier at his best is when he can go short burst because he is the quickest dude, maybe even college, college basketball, the, the dude, the, the pace that he brings to the table and, and his ability to push the ball at the floor, those things, that's why he's a Bob Cousy award finalist. That's why he's on the, the watch list going into this season, because that's something that nobody else in college basketball can do. And 11 assists off the bench. It's, it's insane. What Savier at his best is better than Anybody else's best in college basketball. Now his worst is uh, unfortunately just as, you know, probably the equivalent of the, on the flip side, just as bad. But that's why you have case. That's why you bring in a guy like case and who is a stable force, even with four turnovers, the, the, what he still provided elsewhere, the athleticism, the chase down block that he had, uh, the, the little things like that. It's like, the, that's something that, that nobody else can do either. How about the called out of bounds set there in the first half where he's the trigger man steps in and the handoff, like, I like that too. That's something you can do with him and a big strong guard that can get in the passing lanes. Like you said, chase down blocks. Like Kaysen impacts the game to me in more ways than Savir does. But the way Savir impacts the game is far different than the way Kaysen impacts the game offensively. And that's why I think it's somewhere a happy medium of both opposite and then both together. So I think, and this is where, honestly, I've looked at it all weekend. I've been sitting here thinking about it. I thought about it all morning. Uh, getting kind of getting ready for this episode is the options that Cal has mm-hmm. that I think you're going to see what you're going to see Tuesday night and what you're going to see on Sunday. And those are the two games I'm kind of pulling apart here because those are the two big ones. Mm-hmm. It's not what you're going to see four weeks from now. I mean, Kentucky will have a chance to win those games. And, but this isn't going to be the version of Kentucky we're going to see in December. I don't think it's going to be the version of Kentucky we see in January. Because I think Cal's still going to – I still think he's trying to figure some things out with the way he wants to play. And let's let's face it, you don't get it in 25, 30-point wins. Mm-hmm. You get it in situations where you're down two with four to play or you're up four with two, to, with two to play. That's where you find out about a lot of these guys and what you're wanting to do offensively. And that's where I think Cal's going to get – this is going to be answer week for Cal and this team. You're going to find out how good they are. But you're also going to find out who your guys are and what roles they need to be in. And there will be some things look different on November 20th than what they do on November 14th. Yeah. I think two of those guys in particular that I'm really fascinated and interested to see just what they are at this level on the big stage, C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves, who uh, combined for 42 points on 14 of 25 
shooting an eight for 17 from three in the season opener against Howard. And then they followed it up with a combined 32 points on 10 of 18 shooting uh, and uh, eight of 13 from deep uh, against Duquesne. Those are two guys that I think are clear upgrades from who they yeah. are who they are re- replacing last season. I think Antonio Reeves very well could lead this team in scoring, which is fascinating considering uh, John Calipari has already said that he's going to be the microwave scorer off the bench. That's Davion Mintz's replacement. If Antonio- We both said no to that in the spring, didn't we? Remember yeah. when we were like, he's not going to average 20 points a game at Kentucky. And he's comfortable in that role right now. You can tell how comfortable he is. There was a play, I don't know, You maybe you can remember it. I, I it was early in the game. I don't remember if it was Savir or Kaysen or someone drove baseline, kicked it out corner, and they and it was – I can't remember if it was – C. I think it was CJ to Antonio made the one more, the extra mm-hmm. pass. But you had both yes. of those dudes buried on the other side of the floor. Talk about hard to defend. Like you're, it's, it's pick your poison. Are you going to run at the 48% career three-point shooter that doesn't miss, or are you going to run at the other dude who's been in a microwave since he got on campus? Like that is – it's hard to defend. Yeah. Uh, I mean – I think it was in transition, if I'm not mistaken. It was. It, it was. Um, yeah, talking to the to the players after the game, you know, just what's it like being in there in practice. Yeah, you would talk to them after the the uh, Howard game, and then uh, then even after the Duquesne game because they do it. They did it back to back. They said that's what we see in practice every day, and and he said it's it's funny because they haven't gotten the chance to play on the same team because they've been going heads up against each other. And so this is the first time that they've really gotten to experience what this is like because they've been going to each other's neck to start the year. And now, you know, the preseason and now it's like, whoa, we might have something special here. And, you know, I was saying earlier that that uh, Antonio is the Davion Mintz replacement. CJ Frederick has stepped in immediately as the Kellen Grady replacement. And, and I think that's kind of I, I go back to what Cal said this offseason and, and leading up to the season, even, you know, during the, the, the exhibition slate, he wants his team to be uh, be scoring 80 points a game, and he wants them to be shooting 25 threes a game, which he has never even eclipsed a 23-point mark uh, per game during his time at Kentucky. The closest he's gotten is 19.9 attempts from deep uh, d- during, during his time here, and only one team has surpassed the 80-point scoring mark and that was the De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Bam Adebayo team. That that team averaged 84-ish points a game. Uh, last year's team averaged 79-ish or so. So if you're thinking in terms of individual upgrades, you know, obviously Savir and, and Oscar, essentially the same player. But Kaysen, I think, is a slight upgrade, you know, maybe even a significant upgrade from Ty Ty. I think Antonio is a pretty clear upgrade from Davion Mintz. And I think CJ Frederick is is emerging as a pretty clear upgrade over uh, Kellen Grady as well. And then Jacob Toppin, I think, you know, can be, you know, he's struggling right now, but I think he can be an upgrade over uh, over Keon Brooks, who, who left for Washington. So put all those things together. Why can't this team be a, a team that scores 80 points a game and hits that 25 three-point mark when when you have two snipers and Antonio Reeves and C.J. Frederick? Yeah, and, and C.J. led them in minutes played. He was the only guy. Which that is got, incredible. I mean, just consider The only guy that got journey, north of 30 minutes. Considering his journey and how far he's come and, and how much he's overcome, seeing him be out there as comfortable as he is and not – Overcompensating for an injury, or you know, playing out, out of shape, none of it. He was restricted three months ago in the Bahamas. There yeah. was a there was a minutes limit on him in the Bahamas. So we went into this kind of wondering, okay, like, will he be ready to go for the exhibition schedule, and then will he be ready to go for the regular season schedule? And he he is. He's playing thirty minutes a game, and we said that on Tuesday. Like we were wondering, like there was probably a point in 
CJ's mind where he was like, will I ever play 30 minutes ever again in a game? And yeah. he's, he's doing it, and he's doing it at a high level, and you're seeing those numbers. Play 30 minutes, one turnover, three assists, a couple rebounds, defends his position, great teammate, makes the extra pass, locked in, knows what he's doing. Like, stability, consistency and stability. And I think that that's what they got in those two guys, and then you're just going to kind of let Kaysen just continue to develop. And the best of Kaysen is going to come out in these big games, I think. I think you're going to see him kind of rise to the challenge here. We know he's going to take on the opposing team's best perimeter player every single game. The question will be when Kaysen's not on that opposing best player, who does Kentucky go to in that situation? Is it Sabir? I know you're giving up some size, but you do have a ball hawk there that can guard the basketball and do some things. Is it Jacob Toppin that draws the other assignment? I love I love that I'm asking all these questions because that means you have options and you're not handcuffed to one or two things. Asking questions and being able to ask these things isn't a bad thing. These These questions are good things. Because it means you have you have options there that Cal has. Well, and, and look at a guy like Jacob Toppin, who admittedly has has struggled. I mean, he he has yeah. really struggled to open the year, but eight points, eight rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block, and uh, you know, off eleven rebounds from game one in his time on the floor as well. He's doing other things well, but admittedly, he's struggling. And, and uh, I think it's fascinating with him in particular because I, I talked to him, and you know, there were some questions. Uh, you know, after the game, you know, what what are those struggles coming from? What do you think it's a product of? And he said, "I'm in my own head. I'm I'm sitting here, and I think it's a conversation that we've had on this show uh, several times that is Jacob trying to play into first round status, lottery status, or is he trying to play winning basketball? Can he be a star?" without putting up 15, 20 shots a game? Can he be a guy that is comfortable in that 12.8 rebound, five assist, three steal type of role where he can be a difference maker and he can be a winner, but he can be an efficient winner, an efficient different different difference maker uh, because he's trying to shoot himself out of this cold streak right now. And, uh, you know, the the foot kickers that Cal's talking about and the, you know, he's trying this, this you know, turnaround fadeaway jumper and pull up in the mid range. And, and yeah, he's, he's seeing a couple of them fall. And I think it's building up this kind of false confidence or, you know, him seeing these misses is kind of killing the confidence that he's he's built in practice because he is making these shots in practice. And that's what he told me. Uh, he was like, I, I just don't get it. I, I'm making these shots in practice. You know, I'm I'm doing everything that I am doing in practice. I'm leading the team in, in shots. And, you know, all the advanced analytics are telling me that I'm an elite player, but that's not translating to the game floor. And the fact that Kentucky's playing as well as they are right now without Toppin playing as good as, as he needs to be, that it, I think adds to the just how deep this team is and how talented this team is and what the potential and, and ceiling this this team could have. Yeah, and and the thing with Toppin that I think we got to factor in here: how much easier does his job get when Oscar Shibway returns to the floor? A ton, I think. You get uh, Oscar's going to clean up and get a lot of sp- and occupy a lot of space on the offensive end, mm-hmm. which is going to open things up not only for these shooters, but. You add in these shooters and Oscar Shibway going into the rim and, and taking up a body or two, and Jacob Toppin's going to be able to get some garbage buckets, I think, flying in and getting offensive rebounds of his own. And then just the impact of Oscar whenever he does return, I think it helps all these guys. I think that's another interesting thing that you got to factor in here is we're talking about multiple guys being consistent and playing well. Some guys maybe you're wanting to see more from, but it's hard to judge until you see them all out there at full strength. And that's the Kentucky that I want to see and evaluate, not the Kentucky we've kind of got to see the last, what, two to three weeks. Uh, but I like where they're at. 
I like that Savir's back. I like that he's healthy. I love that he was able to step right in and do his thing and I mean get get to 11 assists there. I thought that was big. You got CJ and, and Antonio knocking down shots. Uh, still trying to figure out what's going to happen at that backup five spot with Lance Ware and, and, and Ugar. Are, are we? Uh, are we still trying to figure that out? Minutes, yes, but no. I think I've already figured it out. Like I, I think I have. I don't know if you have. I just don't. I don't know how. I don't know how to keep Ghana on Yenso doesn't play. I don't. I we're I, talking I upside here too, right? And then the ceiling. I, he has to play. Look, there are times that projects are. Uh, raking the leaves in the yard. Sometimes, sometimes it's a four-year project. You know, you're rebuilding a, a car, or you're, you know, do, doing things that that takes time and effort and long, you know, a very long-term thing. Sometimes it's as simple as, uh, you know, making your bed. And I think <laughs> Ugana Onyenzo's case may be that type of project because when he came here, the expectation was little to nothing of what he was going to provide. He was going to be the, you know, a, a guy learning under Oscar Shibway, Oscar taking him under his wing and just kind of saying, all right, here's the college game. Here's how you're going to thrive, you know, down the road. We'll get there someday. Um, that road is here. Uh, the, the road was a driveway, not a real road. Uh, they, uh, the everything Ugo is doing on the floor right now is making me go, that kid needs to be playing real minutes, nine points, four, seven shooting, 10 rebounds, three blocks, one assist, zero turnovers. And he's only, only one foul too. So he's, you know, the, the, the difference he's making is a shot alterer and, and, you know, being a disruptor on that end, yeah. it, it's, he's, he's doing it without fouling. And he did it in, you know, in 19 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever mm-hmm. it was. He impacted a, a lot of sh- affected a lot of shots that he didn't get his hand on. Mm-hmm. So only so many only what three blocks I believe is what it was. Yep, went in the, co- in the in the box score, but you got to factor in two or three more shot attempts that he affected that then le- then that then led to rebounds, transition opportunities, Kentucky getting out and running. I think he's an easy choice. I really do, and I mean I do want to see him when he gets up against the Power Five, and he gets up against Michigan State, he gets up against Gonzaga. Like we know the challenges that's going to present. Uh, there were a couple of times there where you're still seeing the the youth in the frame that still needs to add some size to it. When mm-hmm. they got into his chest on a couple of baseline drives, and you know your cows, he's in great position, but still kind of got backed up. But you can't teach one thing, and it's length. You can't teach it. It's the one thing that as a basketball coach you cannot teach, and he has it. I think that's why he has to play, and this needs to be a. And I, I'm interested who who gets the run the most in these two big games coming up when they're when they're called upon. Is it Lance? Is, <sighs> does he go veteran, or does he throw the rookie out there into the fire when needed? I think to start with, it it probably has to be Lance just to figure out the what trust he is, because right? Lance has he's a high floor low ceiling guy you know exactly what he's going to bring to the table he's going to be the enforcer he's going to be the physical presence he's gonna you know be the do the dirty work you know maybe throw an elbow do you know he's going to uh, and you know initiate that he's going to be the enforcer that can take and i don't know if that's what what ugo is and and that's what cal said what lance does very well ugo struggles with but what ugo is elite at Lance isn't necessarily the best, although he did have four blocks uh, against Duquesne, which, you know, good, good, good for Lance. 
I just think in terms of if you want this team to see its upside yeah. and hit that that truly elite ceiling that I genuinely think that they have, I think Ugo has to be that guy because he yeah. he's a shot alterer. He's a, a a truly elite defender that will change the game for you in sh- in short spurts. And you're given your you've given yourself two opportunities to look at it against teams that could be will will be NCAA tournament teams. <laughs> and considered elite programs. You're not going to get those questions secured and for sure answered against Duquesne and Howard mm-hmm. or what comes after those two games. You that's, that's where, I mean, basketball matters in November. We know resume matters, whether it's November 1st or it's March 1st. Your resume matters. But you want to see these guys in those moments. And I think with Lance, it's a guy that you know is going to be in the right spot 99% of the time. He's going to always do his job, and he's going to do it well, whatever that role is. But what gives you the most upside projecting long-term? Is it to get Ugo ready for that spot? You need both. You're going to need both. There's going to be games where I think Lance is going to get it, and there's going to be games where I think Onyenso is going to get it. So I'm interested. I just just want to see – I want to see how they react. I want to see what he – I want to see what Ugo looks like in a big moment all of college basketball watching, you're the primetime spot. It's Kentucky, Michigan State, Izzo, Cal. I want to see it. I mean, think of his journey and how he got here. I mean, this is a kid that arrived in America in January, got to campus late August, and there's a very significant chance that by the Champions Classic on Tuesday against Michigan State and college basketball's premier event, that Ugana Onyenso could be Kentucky's starting center if Oscar Sheboy is out. And that it's not something that you look at that matchup and go, oh, crap, Kentucky's screwed. Like, you think of it and go, oh, I'm ready for that challenge. I'm ready to I'm ready to see what, what Ugo's going to do when when that challenge presents itself. And that's gonna be growing that's a luxury. Yeah, and, and there's, gonna, and there's yeah. gonna be growing pains. There is. But and that's where it's kind of the you're looking at and this is Cal. He's going to watch plenty of tape, I'm sure, going into Tuesday and then figure out what is best and what's best for not just his team, but what's best for both of those two individually. You have a guy in Lance who's been in your program now three years. But then you have a guy in Uganda that I think just each time I turn on the tape from first exhibit from blue white game to first exhibition to Friday night, you see improvement. You see a guy that's getting more comfortable and you see a guy who just has some elite athleticism on the defensive end that can do things that no one else on your roster can do. And there's a role for that. You can, If you can find one thing to be elite at, especially for a John Calipari team, if it's playing defense, not as much shooting. You can't – John Calipari, it, it, there's no – I just don't think there's a pigeonholed shooter that really fits what Cal's doing. you got to be able to do the other things. Like if C.J. Frederick could just shoot the ball – We'd be having another situation where it was Dante Allen again. Well, I was going to say that that kid's playing in Bowling Green yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's just that's where I'm saying on the defensive end, though, you do that one thing, you play. And I go back to everything, all the hints that Cal has given all offseason, the last several weeks, especially all the random. You 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 know what what uh, versions of my teams were the best? You know when my team. Uh, when when we competed for national titles and and when when we were firing on all cylinders, what was the con- the consistent between all of those teams? And every single time, shot blocking. It's it, it's shot blocking. Why was he saying that? The timing 
the timing adds up to where it was, okay, we saw what Ugo was and how quickly he's grasping. Cal, every time there's a microphone in front of his face, says he learned so quickly. His basketball IQ is, is second to none. You only have to tell him something one time, and he goes, okay, got it, coach. I, I got it. I'll, I'll, I'll adjust next time. I'll, I'll make this happen on the next time. I think there's a reason for all of it. The, the, every time Cal says what he does, all the talk about his best teams having shot blocking presence, all of that stuff I think is adding up and building toward Ugo having a significant role in this team. I think so too. And it, Millie wants to have a role in this team. She's jumping in my lap as we're talking here. <laughs> but if you see me looking around, but I'll say this, this is a puzzle piece with this team. You mentioned Cal's elite teams at Kentucky and what they could do. Mm-hmm. It was the rim protection. But yep. here's what that rim protection allows you to do. It allows guys like Casey Wallace and Xavier Wheeler to pressure the basketball yep. and overplay and just go all out, not worry about getting – when you have three or four guys guarding the perimeter that they don't have in the back of their mind, oh, crap, if I get beat, we're giving up a basket. Sometimes getting beat funnels it right into that length, and then Kentucky's off and running with, keep in mind, C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves, and then you got the rim running – of your bigs. I mean, you've got, I, I like it. I like, I, I see the pieces. Now I just want to see them come together, get Oscar Sheboy back. And I, I really like the makeup of this team. I just, I have more confidence and I know it's only two games and a couple of exhibitions. I already just have more confidence in what this team can do than what the team last year could do. And we know last year's peak was good enough to win a national championship. When they peaked, if that tournament would have been played late January, early February, Kentucky's cutting down the nets. Yeah. When does this team peak? Uh, you don't want it to peak too soon, but the reason I don't think they do is because they got some young guys that – an Ugo, a Kaysen Wallace, a Chris Livingston. They've got some guys that are going to develop and continue to get better and better as the season goes along, and I just think that this is a team that's built to succeed. Well, you know, look at a guy like Chris Livingston, five points, two of seven shooting, seven rebounds, uh, one turnover, one steal, 19 minutes. I thought he did a lot of really good stuff, and Kyle singled him out after the game as a guy who who made a pretty significant you know impact and and, and it's those guys Adu Thero who played 14 minutes in the first game Cal said after the game he's like man it sucks I wish I was able to get a do in this game but when you got Savir back you know it, you could tell Cal's like I'm trying like I'm trying to figure out what the yeah. what the perfect recipe is but the fact that you have 11 scholarship players that are playable and you know if if you get a Savio Wheeler rolled ankle or you know Antonio Reeves gets banged up or what you know whatever the case is and it will happen you you have a complimentary piece to replace them I mean shoot look at us look at this team right now that they got down to eight scholarship players to open the regular season and they go out and play as as efficiently and and I mean you would you would have no idea that the team was missing its national player of the year and it's and it's you know uh, uh Bob Cousy award finalist at point guard to the the two most important positions on the floor Kentucky was missing its starters and they still absolutely steamrolled Howard and played as as well as they did and, and this is the team that looks connected on the defensive end of the floor with communication. There was a there was a couple of plays there early in the game where when Savir went in, there was a back screen, it was an automatic switch and then they knew it. And Savir got switched off on a big and then there was a play in transition where Savir took a big, took a rim runner and then as soon as the ball was reversed, you had you had I think it was Ugo and Savir instantly communicating and switching and, and getting exactly the matchup that they wanted once they stopped transition. This is a team that I do think can be elite on both ends of the floor. 
And I think you're going to, it's going to show up in Ken Palm throughout the entire year. I think they're going to be right there in that top 20, probably possibly top 10 in both categories from wire to wire. And I think that that's going to be the sign of one of the elite teams in college basketball. But not only is this team going to be good at running the floor offensively in transition, I think that this team's also going to be an excellent defensive transition team with right. some of the quickness that they have and some of these guards. You got Kaysen, You To me, you got guys that can chase down and get some blocks like Jacob Toppin. Kaysen showed it the other night. I think this can be an elite defensive transition team and an elite offensive transition team. So uh, I'm excited about it. We, uh, you, you bring up the Ken Palm. I just looked at the updated numbers after a, a full week of college basketball. Number three in adjusted offense and number two in adjusted defense and number one in America by a significant margin. I mean, yeah, by by two no, full by two full points. But with better no than Oscar Sheboy. With no Oscar Sheboy or Damian Collins, uh, we're we're gonna make this one a, a little bit shorter and and you know because it's gonna be a busy week. We have some recruiting news to get to um, on Monday, and then obviously the Champions Classic is on Tuesday. So we're gonna be rapid firing this week, uh, leading up to you know the big Gonzaga trip. That I'll I'll be leaving Wednesday for that. I'm gonna take a couple days of vacation and do that. So uh, it's gonna be a very busy week. So we'll keep this one uh, a little bit short. Um, Oscar Sheboy, does he play against Michigan State? The impact uh, of potentially missing him. Um, and then Damian Collins, Kentucky, is expected to get him back uh, after the passing of his father. Um, yes or no for for both of them and uh, the impact that both of them or neither of them will will make it, depending on if they, their, their availability. I mean, anytime you take on a team like Michigan State and you don't have the reigning national player of the year, I think you're kind of put into a tough situation mm-hmm. because then it is all dependent on Lance and Ugo. And are they ready for that moment? So I don't know. I I think Kentucky needs Oscar to have its best shot to win that game. But then again, the way that they're shooting the basketball, you could see them kind of overcoming that possibly if they're really good offensively. Mm-hmm. You definitely need him next Sunday. Absolutely. That's 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 the, that's the big one to me. That's the one where you need him. You get both these wins, and you're. I mean, you're already building probably the best resume to this point and a resume that's going to be hard to be matched when you add in what they're going to get in the league and what they're going to get in December and in, and even into January with the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But I do think you need one of these. If you ask me which one I want, it's the one on Sunday. Yeah, and, you know, Michigan State, I, I think, is they have the physicality. They have the, you know, they, they have the ability to muck things up. And, and I think be disruptive. They, they, I, think, I think that's where they will have the advantage, but I just don't think their guard, their guard play will be able to compete with what Kentucky has. And, and I think our, you know, our scoring is, is going to just overwhelm them. They'll, they'll be able to muck things up and they'll be able to, you know, you know, make it ugly at times. But I just think when push comes to shove, the scoring and shooting on this, Kentucky teams is going to be way too much well, to overcome, and it could get out of hand. I, I would not be shocked if they go in there and get and get a, and pull out a statement win before this, kind of an ugly one next full, Sunday. Is this full strength Kentucky or? I think I, I think as is. I, I think okay. if if Oscar is out, I think Cal gets more creative with the guards, and we could see a Savier case in CJ Antonio with a. Jacob or a uh, uh, Damian or an Ugo. I mean, shoot, throw Ugo in there, or even a Lance is kind of the physical and you know physical you know presence down low, and let the guards rock out. This is a team that you can let the guards rock out a little bit and and you know show off what what they do their do to their at their best. You know, overcompensate with the physicality and you know the, their front court presence with you know our elite backcourt presence. 
And this is an event that Kentucky's got a two-game losing streak in right now. They lost to Kansas two years ago, lost to Duke a year ago. Like, you want to start off well. Beat Michigan State, regroup, finish the week out, and then uh, get a big road win. Well, road win, neutral site, but road win on the road at Gonzaga. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think Kentucky wins. Mm-hmm. But you're always going to say it'd be easier if you could plug in number 34. Because uh, he, he, he builds in so many points and he takes out so many points for the other team because there's just balls that he comes up with that no one else can. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get out of here with this. Um, big news expected on Monday. DJ Wagner expected to sign, and Kentucky is the overwhelming favorite there. Uh, just real quickly, uh, Sean, what would DJ Wagner's addition mean for Kentucky going into next season uh, and kind of rounding out the super class that John Calipari's built for 2023? It gives Kentucky and John Calipari an opportunity to flex before they ever even get on the floor Tuesday night, if that's if that's the way it goes, because the class that's already been putting been pieced together with uh, Reed when it first happened, the commitment now signed. And you you get Rob Dillingham, you get Justin Edwards. I mean, you're I mean Brett. I mean, you're, it's just across the board. There's no dead spot with this class. You're not looking to go. There's a, there's a need. There's a need. There's a need. No, this is uh this is a class that when it's all said and done and could be a lot sooner rather than later. It's getting Kentucky basketball back to being the cool school again. And we and we know that this class, when it comes to overall, like we're talking talent, there's been better classes across college basketball with talented players. But Kentucky, to keep in mind, is getting the best of the best in this class and stockpiling it. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I like the the way they they complement each other. I like you, you get a, a star at every position, and um, it, it's going to be a good yeah. one. I'm, I'm excited to see it close out. And for a moment, we brought up the topic. Does DJ is it Louisville? Is it somewhere else? And that was short lived. Mm-hmm. And now you look where Kentucky's at, and it was one of those things that we always felt like Cal would Cal wouldn't lose this one. Mm-hmm. There was just there was too much on the line. I never, was, I never there was, too, there was too much. There was too much trust built decades ago for the for him to lose this one. History tells us where this one was going. We will find out officially Monday. Very much looking forward to that, Sean. Let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.